Hi, everyone. Good morning. So today is the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, We relight the candle of hope. And for the second Sunday in Advent, we light the candle of peace. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, we remember that Jesus is our hope and our peace. From the prophet Isaiah, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire." For to us is a child is born, <clears throat> to us a child is given, and to the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty accomplished this. The word of the Lord. I do fine. Say amen. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, for those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It is such a joy to be with you this morning. There's a palpable joy in the room. Amen? It's exciting. We have some new uh, friends joining us. And uh, again, welcome on behalf of my family, but our faith family. Peace. Peace. Do you and does our world long for peace. Before we dive into our passage, would you bow your heads with me as I begin with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, let me begin by asking you this question. When you have suffered in life, have you ever looked for a sign to bring you hope or peace? When you've suffered in life, have you ever looked for a sign to bring you hope or peace? As reported by Wikipedia, Hurricane Ian was a large and destructive Category 4 hurricane that was the deadliest hurricane to strike the state of Florida since the 1935 Labor Day hurricane. With sustained winds over 155 miles an hour and gusts over 250, excuse me, 215 miles an hour, Ian made landfall in Southwest Florida on September 28th, 2022. 
generating over a 15-foot storm surge and causing at least 157 casualties. Moreover, due to its destructive winds and widespread flooding, adjusters believe Ian caused over $50.2 billion in catastrophic property and infrastructure damage. $50.2 billion. Furthermore, for those who know Southwest Florida, according to Wikipedia and other sources, Sanibel Island and Pine Island were hardest hit by the storm surge, which destroyed numerous structures and damaged both the Sanibel Causeway and the bridge to Pine Island. Talk about a horrific event, right? Now, friends, many of you already know this, but can you guess where my parents' primary residence is or was? Sanibel. Sanibel Island. Thankfully, my parents were not on Sanibel when the storm hit, but talking with them during the storm and as we watched the storm destroy the place they love was hard. It was so hard. What made it especially hard was following the storm. Virtually no one, including my parents, could even get back onto Sanibel to assess the damage because the bridge to Sanibel, this causeway, was missing huge chunks of it. I'm sure many of us saw this on the news. And this reality only compounded the pain. Thus, it's been a tough go for my parents and so many others in Florida this fall. You see, the life my parents had planned to live, the place they had planned to retire, the relationships they had forged together seemed to vanish overnight. The pain was and is still real. Perhaps you can relate to such pain. You've endured this storm or that loss. You've held this hope only to experience that broken dream. You've loved this person only to endure that broken relationship. Pain, suffering, it is real, is it not? And it's more real for some of us than others right now. Life can be hard. Now, what I'm going to share next is not made up. It did happen and it's still happening. Listen, a day or so after Hurricane Ian hit, in a moment of humility, jest, and tear, tearfulness, my mom said to me over the phone, Paul, I, I at least hope my little red Volkswagen bug survived the storm. She really said that. I won't say what my dad said. <laughs> you see, my mom and dad owned this little Volkswagen Beetle convertible that my mom would drive around Sanibel. And what she was really saying to me in that moment was, Paul, I could really use a sign of hope and peace right now. This has been so hard. Excuse me. In one fellowship, would you believe me if I told you that uh, the first thing my dad saw several weeks after Hurricane Ian hit, when he finally was able to get onto Sanibel Island was what? My mom's little red Volkswagen convertible. It's true. It's true. Listen, my parents had parked this little bug at a mom and pop garage to have it serviced before the storm. And even though the building was no longer there, it's no longer there, their bug was still there. How, you ask? Here's how. I've been waiting for the right moment to share the story. 
Turns out this mom and pop garage had put my mom's Volkswagen on their lift before the storm and it somehow survived a Cat 4 hurricane. Isn't that amazing? It's truly amazing. Now here's the best part. Here's the best part. There's still no power on the property. So as you come over the Sanibel Causeway, even right now, and you hit Periwinkle Drive, has anyone been to Sanibel before? Raise your hand. As you hit Periwinkle Drive, this bug is still up on the lift to this day. I promise. And it's a sign of what? Hope. It's a sign of hope. A God wink, if you will. Friends, let me ask you again. When you've suffered, have you ever looked for a sign to bring you hope or peace? Turning our attention to the season of Advent and the Christmas story, our passage today, Isaiah 9, indicates that in the grand scheme of life, especially when life kicks you in the teeth, feels like you get hit by a cat four hurricane, or you somehow lose your way, there's one sign, one sign which we're to look for, for hope and peace. And friends, what is that sign? That sign is a baby. A baby. Yes, God's answer to all the horrors of this world in all of our suffering was to send us a baby. It's quite the paradox and plan, right? And yet when we come to understand the why behind the story and we come to understand the promise behind the story, the Christmas story, guess what? It becomes irresistible. The love we find in this sign, the love we find in Jesus himself becomes irresistible. Such is why I'm so excited for this moment, this season of Advent. Through it, we get to rediscover God's plan for love, hope, and peace. And this brings us to our big idea from Isaiah 9 today. The place of our greatest suffering is the, great, is the place of God's greatest redemption through the gift of his son, Jesus. The place of our greatest suffering is the place of God's greatest redemption through the gift of his son, Jesus. And we're gonna unpack this through three points. Point one, God sees your suffering. God sees your suffering, Tanya. Point two, God has a plan for your pain. God has a plan for your pain, Ashley. And point three, in Jesus, we are offered peace with no end. So let's jump in. Point one, God sees your suffering. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Allow me to share the context of our text today. First, this book and this passage were written by a prophet named Isaiah. And for those who are new to the faith or just exploring the faith, what were prophets? Were prophets were these people, leaders in the Old Testament, who, uh, led by the Spirit of God, spoke the truth of God about sin and its destruction and essentially called people to return to God. And the impact of these people, these prophets, can't be overstated. For instance, even in the New Testament, we read these words in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Quote, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you'll do well to pay attention to it. 
as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thus, prophetic messages in the Old Testament were and still are important. And perhaps there's no more important prophecy in the Old Testament than Isaiah 9. So Givens, what's the point of this prophecy today? Well, first Isaiah says, there's a problem. There's a problem. It's the problem of darkness and suffering. And understood in our passage in the context, its source or sources might surprise us. First, Isaiah says that there's darkness out there, outside of God's people, that often comes against God's people. That happens. Specifically in this book, Isaiah mentions the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Babylonians as the major oppressors of God's people during that time. And so, yes, the Israelites, in a very real sense, were victims. They were victims of darkness. Bringing this into the here and now, listen, have any of you ever been hurt? Betrayed, taken advantage of, or ill-treated by a person or a group of people? The Bible would not have us dismiss such pain. For instance, in Psalm 37, we read, the Lord is close. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if that's you today, God sees you today. God sees your suffering and he wants to draw near to you today if that's you. And yet, Isaiah says there's more. The other biblical writers say there's more. Our darkness and pain don't simply come from outside of us. No, if we dig a little deeper into our passage and into the biblical narrative as a whole, and if we dare to just look honestly in the mirror today, we'll see that the problem's not just out there, it's right here. The problem is the problem of the human heart. In fact, Isaiah, excuse me, Jeremiah, another prophet in the Old Testament, put it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So friends, by way of our passage, the prophet Isaiah was addressing darkness out there, the darkness of oppression and the darkness of human depravity in here. Oppression and depravity. And that's the context of our passage today. So yes, God's people were beaten up but they were also messed up. Taylor, they were messed up through their own decisions and divisions. In fact, like a family who'd gone through a hard divorce, they had split. By this point in history, the 12 tribes of Israel had split into two kingdoms, the northern one being called Israel. Someone got that right. Let's see if you know this. Otherwise known as Ephraim. And the southern one was called Judah. And both, listen, both kingdoms had subsequently aligned themselves with foreign nations or peoples, pagan in orientation, you know, just the heads of their bets. And in so doing, abandoned their relationship with God. So Isaiah says, therein lies the gloom. Therein lies the distress. In other words, guys, as God's people, you've left God himself. This mess is partially your mess. He even goes as far as to go a little darker by saying, literally speaking, you're now living in the land of the, quote, death shadow. You ever heard that? 
That sounds awful. And it's meant to sound awful. Gloom, doom, and darkness. But guess what? God sees his people there. And moreover, God sees you there. God sees you in your suffering. God sees you when you're alone in the dark. And the good news is God promises not to leave you there. He promises not to leave you alone in the dark. This leads us to point two. God has a plan for your pain. Bringing this into the here now, literally into this room, despite all the festivities and all the lights and all the cookies, we had some outrageously good cookies on the Friday, uh, at the Friday night Christmas party. But despite all of that, listen, the holidays are hard. Let's be real. The holidays are hard. Hope around wholeness, family, friendships can be dashed. Festering resentment and unforgiveness can boil up, boil to the surface. And relationships can be strained, if not abandoned altogether, right? The holidays can be hard, you guys. This past week, Carly shared a blog with me by uh, Canadian author Ann Voskamp about her own struggle a couple weeks ago with Thanksgiving. I'd like to share part of it with you right now. Quote, how do you keep moving forward in a story when you so desperately want to change part of the story? When parts of you want to go back to another time where you and all your hope came from, I pull on boots and wind a trail of questions through the snow to the hushed quiet of the woods and sit with the fire like a way to burn through everything and follow a pillar of fire forward. A friend then texts that her son has cut her family off, severed all family ties. The silence is scorching her. It's the holidays. It's the holidays, and it's almost Advent. And all our families move tender, and the ache is real. And what's the realest story we're telling ourselves about ourselves and our world and where we've come from and where our family's actually going to? It's almost the night before Advent. And if we miss the story that comes before his coming, we miss the point of the story. Blake, allow me to repeat that. If we miss the story that comes before his coming, we miss the point of the story. You see, if we wanna understand Advent in the Christmas story, we must first come to grips with our own story, with our own pain, with our own shame, with our own suffering. Why? Because the Christmas story is powerful and beautiful precisely because it deals with the aches and the pains and the darkness in us and around us. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness or the death shadow, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child's born, to us a son's given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
Friends, allow me to be honest. I hesitated to read all of that. I did. I specifically hesitated to read about the warrior's boot used in battle and the garments rolled in what? Because it seemed to be too much. It seemed to be too gruesome, too gory, especially for little ears. But here's the deal. We have to read it and we have to read all of it. What our passage is saying and what Isaiah is promising is that every wrong, every abuse, every broken heart, every broken body, every single act, good and bad, will be met head on with the white hot fire of God's love and his justice. All of it and everyone, no exceptions. You see, God not only sees your suffering, he has a plan for it, Isaiah says. Look for a sign. Look for what? A baby. A baby, a son from the line of King David, from the northern region of Galilee, that's rather specific, right? Who will break into our darkness and bring what? Peace, peace, a peace with no end. This leads us to point three. In Jesus, we're offered peace with no end. Emily, you're offered peace with no end. In a world of pain and suffering, our hearts yearn for peace, don't they? So what does this word mean? Well, I know what it means for my wife. We talked about it, like serenity. When you think of peace, what do you think about? Well, what does the Bible mean when we hear this word peace? Well, it comes from the word shalom. And while it entails the lifting of chaos, anxiety, and fear, it means more than that. Listen, in our context, it means wholeness, incompleteness, peace, wholeness, incompleteness. Thus, this baby, this son who will come, Isaiah tells us, will not only deal with our pain and our suffering, but he will make us whole again. That loss, he will redeem. That broken heart, he will redeem. That awful decision, he will redeem. That broken body, he will redeem. With that understanding of peace, now fast forward with me some 700 years later when Matthew writes these words. When Jesus heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people walking or living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, which means turn, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the Bible is crystal clear here, friends. We're being told that Jesus is this long-awaited Savior and Son promised by Isaiah. But there's more. Hear these words from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. That's been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, 
Even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came. He came that, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Listen, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Do you see it? Jeff, Nancy, do you see it? You see what John's saying here? Jesus is not only the light God sent into the darkness. Bruce, he's the light God sent into the darkness for you. Brock, for you. Andrew, for you. He's the total fulfillment of Isaiah chapter nine. And why did he come? To not only deal with our story, but to secure our place in his story, in God's cosmic story. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's so beautiful, isn't it? That wholeness, listen, that wholeness, that completeness, that longing for peace is ultimately found by being welcomed into God's family. Total, lasting security. And therein lies the crazy promise fulfilled and the crazy promise offered at Christmas. God not only sent you a sign of his love, his hope, and his peace, he sent you his son to secure that love, that hope, and that peace. Do you see it? Allow me to share one more story. I'm going to keep it real here about me. Carly said, keep it real. I can't lie about what really happened, so track with me. A few weeks ago, around 10 at night, I smelled smoke. I smelled smoke in our house, and it was an unusual smell. It smelled like burning um, plastic. So I ran like a madman around our house looking for the source. I finally stood under a vent in our bedroom, and the smell was so strong that I then immediately sprinted up to our attic. Now, I don't know where you live, but we live in this like really narrow, tall house. So I ran upstairs, threw open the attic door, and poof, a wall of smoke hit my face. And that's when the screaming began. <laughs> this, really, this really happened. Carly, call 911. I don't want to scream. Carly, call 911. Call 911. And next I proceeded to uh, uh, remove Blaze and Sailor from their rooms and, and ask them to evacuate the house. And as I said, I'd like to say the rest of the story went well, but it really didn't. I'd be lying. If we have any therapists in here, you'll know what I'm talking about. From a family systems perspective, it was a hot mess. <laughs> First, as Carly was on the phone with 911, I was running around trying to get important documents together to evacuate those as well. In the chaos, in the chaos, I remember asking Carly with an impassioned plea, can you help me? <laughs> to which she replied, the 911 operator won't let me off the phone until she knows everyone's safe. And please stop screaming at me. <laughs> to which I stopped and looked at her from across the, hall, the hallway in the second floor there. And I screamed at her, I'm not screaming at you. Can you get off the phone to help me? That happened. Then I remember Carly and I running around the house looking for Sailor and Blaze. They were nowhere to be seen. They weren't out front. We found Sailor in the back in the total dark with our dog, virtually undiscoverable. And then later we found Blaze somehow upstairs outside the attic with a fire extinguisher ready to go to work. 
that's my family. Thanks be to God, the fire department. In fact, how many fire departments? Five fire departments came to our house that night and our house didn't burn down. It didn't burn down. In the end, it turns out a box floor fan that we had running to combat moisture in the attic had caught fire, but nothing else had caught. Nothing. Thanks be to God. Now, why do I share this story? Why share it? Because as I look back on it, I discovered something. There was nothing I wouldn't have done that night to save my family. Absolutely nothing. And the same is true of my bride, Carly. Our kids are our kids and we love them. And there's absolutely nothing we wouldn't have done to keep them safe that night. And friends, returning to our passage, listen. As the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter nine, being the child who was born and the son who was given and being the light who's sent to break into our darkness, there's nothing Jesus did not do to prove God's love for you. Absolutely nothing. From his baby flesh in a manger to his bloody flesh on our cross, listen, Jesus gave his all for you. And that is the gospel, the good news of Christmas. Why did he do it? So you and I could rest in a peace that knows no end. So you and I could look with anticipation. Listen, Advent, it means arrival or coming. It's not just celebrating that he did come, it's celebrating that he will come. And we anticipate that day when he'll make all things right, all things whole, all things complete. That's the Christmas promise of peace. The people walking in darkness have seen what? A great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned of the greatness of his government and peace or shalom, there will be no end. So listen, Emma, Gino, Lacey, as we head towards Christmas, if you're looking for a sign of hope and peace, Mateo, look to the son of hope and peace. See it. See it with me. See it with us. The place of our greatest suffering is the place of God's greatest redemption through the gift of his son, Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift that changes everything God, we invite you to break into our darkness, our suffering, and our pain, great or small, right now, and plant your seeds of peace. Jesus, take your rightful place as our Lord and our Savior. We turn to you, and we trust you afresh, maybe for the first time today. Be our Prince of Peace. And may we look with great excitement and joy and anticipation and security when you will make all things whole for our good and your glory. All God's people said, amen.